Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. You know him as the head coach of the Energy Standard team on ISL, as well as the Energy Standard club based in Turkey, James Gibson. James, how's it going? All good. Coming to you from Budapest on an island. <laughs> We're doing all right. We're doing all right. Let's get started there. You know, the here and now you're, you're in Budapest. Um, we've, we've had, you've already had match one for your energy standard team, of the ISL. Um, first of all, break down that match for me. How, how did it go for you guys? What, what were you seeing that went well? What, what areas do you think you guys can improve in moving forward? Well, it was uh, an interesting first match. Like, it, you know, everyone's had a strange year, whatever, however way you look at it, you know, everyone in the world has had a strange year and some people have had uh, good training all the way through. Some have uh, been less fortunate. But, um, there was, you know, going into that first match, there was uh, quite a lot of apprehension going around the group. There's a bit of nervousness uh, because people had just hadn't raced. You know, it's been eight months since, uh, well, we, we last raced in January. So nine months since any of our guys have actually been on the block. Chad Leclos, for example, his last race was Las Vegas. So, um, <laughs> wow, yeah. so in, all, in all of that, it was more like everyone was diving into the unknown. So we couldn't really have a, a good feel on the sort of conditions of the athletes. And, you know, we didn't put any pressure on them. We just asked them to go out and just, just see where we're at at this point in time. Uh, obviously, they're all competitors, you know, so a lot of them were frustrated that they weren't close to their best times. But when you break it down and you look at some of the reasons behind them, their, their years, they now, a lot of them did fantastically well, um, but it's sport. And when the buzzer goes or, you know, when the, when the gun goes off, it doesn't matter if you finish fourth or, you know, if, if you, you, know, you have to try and get the wins, get the points for the team, regardless of your situation before. So we've got some things going on now. We've got some guys that need a little bit of work. We're very lucky. We've got a 10-day gap in before our, our next match. So we've got people in work. We've had to put people into work um, uh, just to try and build up their capacities. And uh, we're, we're grateful for this period. And, uh, you know, we just, we've got to get to, to grips with the new rules as well. So what, what do you think of the rules? <laughs> what a, I, I was about to ask you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's as a, as a spectator, it's really interesting. It puts, it puts a whole, it puts it in a whole nother perspective. And as a swim fan, you always like to see those, those swimmers who win way out in front, you know, it makes it exciting. Um, and now you're, you know, obviously there's more incentive with those jackpot rules. Um, you know, the, the, the Cali Condors got the win in the first match and they had commented that they thought the jackpot rule really benefited them. What did you think of the new rules? Well, it's totally different. So um, we kind of came in caught a little bit off guard, really, um, with the sort of the impact of the jackpot. Um, and, you know, the Cali guys swam the house down and they really came in and, uh, you know, credit where credit's due. I know they're our opposition, but you see Olivia Smoliga, it's 50 back. You watch Lily King and the skins, you know, these these guys, you can't help but just chapeau, take the hat off to how they performed. And we do have to up our game. And, 
the impact of the jackpot we took a little bit for granted on our side but it's definitely a good tactical thing now with the sport um, we have to really think about our team selections how we can maximize our jackpot races and we have to really study our opposition I know myself and Tom Rushton and our team here we did a lot of that last year which some of the other teams may have not done uh, to such in depth but um, we got a lot of work to do there's a lot of stats going on now behind the scenes and figuring out uh, it's not just really your your race you need to know what your competitors are going to do so we're going to we go to the pool now it's awesome to have all the matches here because we go and watch and you watch and you make notes and it almost feels like uh nba or nfl you know it's 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 very different and we're, we're jotting down notes we're seeing how other teams are doing their um their formations because you almost need to predict what some of the others will do but you know that you know the, the guys like Lily would always swim the main events, and, and you so you can sort of match up who you think would be best to take on her. And uh, oh, we were very you know, having Benedetta Pilato, uh, you know, big breakout meet was a uh, was a good one for us there as well. Uh, so you know, the next match we'll make some changes. Um, but like I said, the Cali are looking exceptionally strong. But we're we're going to give them a nice run for their money as we go through. So um, you mentioned you have 10 days off and it's interesting, you know, there, it's a six weeks regular season. There's 10 teams, uh, eight teams competing each week. And so two teams have, have off each week and you had, you guys had one match and then uh, you get that week off that 10 day reprieve. How do you think that, you know, that, that the timing of that break, you know, you had one match and then you'll get the break and then you'll be competing every other weekend. Um, have you thought of, you know, how do you think that will benefit your team moving forward? Well, the, you know, the first match is a lot of nervous energy. So uh, there was a bit of payout and I speak to all the coaches here and managers. There was a bit of payout after everyone's first match because it, it's, it's, it's been, again, it was a long time, lots of emotion built up. Um, there, and there's a lot of emotional fatigue from all the athletes after the first match. So I'm quite happy to have that little break. But then also on the flip side, there's going to be other teams having a bit more of a break. Like uh, I know that Cali's schedule is a little bit more spaced out with like four or five days in between the matches. But when I get going next week, it's a match, three days, match, two days off, match, three days off. So it's going to be quite, we've got another five matches to go. It'll be about five, five matches, including the final in, uh, in about four weeks. So it's going to be a heavy, heavy schedule for my guys and, that, again, that comes in the new team aspect. Do we rest people? Do we not? Do we uh, save some people from a lot of individual races and use them on relays? But we've got to monitor the athletes as they go through. Like, is anyone sick? Is anyone injured? And, and, uh, and it's you're really going to need the, the whole squad. You need the whole squad on form because you know it's it's unrealistic to to expect some people to handle like Sarah did five events. <laughs> uh, five events and she she killed it she did incredibly well but to do five events in one day um over a, a six match or, or or four in that period it will just would be a little bit too much for anyone so we've got to be smart we have to be smart <clears throat> it's it's interesting you know you bring up sarah you bring up um you know it's a swimmer like sarah or chad who can swim lots lots of events in this format and i think you know especially spectators and viewers kind of just assume well anytime they jump in the pool they're going to be fast you know they're gonna they, they they could break a world record or something which sure it might be true but you know as someone who sees them every day 
you got to remember <laughs> they are humans and uh like each time they swim in the pool um they're gi they're giving their effort they're making those swims happen um when when you are putting athletes in in so many events what are you making sure of that that or what are you doing as a coach to to try to set them up for success as much as possible so uh with Sarah, for example, uh, mm. we had a nice, we had a big strategy around her and how she was going to do the five events. And she was really excited to do it. She was like, this is the challenge. Uh, you sit down and you always involve the athlete in the process. And we always talk and like how we're going to attack this. And uh, she was really excited for the challenge. But we've had a nice support network around her. We made sure that, you know, someone was going to get the, the clothes and the drinks because some you know, five minutes in between some races. But generally on a day-to-day -day basis and training and everything, it's uh, it's just really, I've, I've found with a lot of the, the great athletes I work with, it's about fit and the program. Like I don't believe I, I know everything about coaching sprinters or I don't believe that. I believe that I've, uh, I've got a good fit with the athletes I work with. Like I've coached uh, many different people and uh, some have had great success and some haven't. And it just doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, the athletes I haven't, had success with it just means the fit wasn't wasn't great um so i think you know in coaching these guys every day I, I do believe that you have to put the athlete at the center and you have to involve them very much in the process because it's their process it's their career at the end of the day and i did get a little bit of that from being an ex-athlete i know that and this is just what i do i do with all my guys really florent chad sarah peniel uh ben proud the guys that are with me all the time it's it's their journey and it's their process. And I'm very lucky I can I individualize quite a lot of the programs. It's a lot of work, there's a lot of riding. But, um, you know, in Europe, Europe, we don't have the big numbers of a US college system. Like, I, I love the NCAAs, I love the whole college thing, I love the whole big team thing. Um, but we don't have those numbers that you guys have. So we have to be quite, we have to handle with care, precious cargo, I call them. And, uh, <laughs> And we, we, we individualize the weights, we individualize, the, the, definitely the dry land is individualized and we try and give them their program. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that seems like a very cool system to me hearing, hearing that perspective, um, you know, making it about the athletes. I feel like there's a lot of coaches who don't really get that and kind of let, let their ego get involved. But, um, it's, it, but, but speaking of the NCAA system, um, you, you just had, one of our, one of our best, uh, come out and start training with energy standard E infinity, which was super cool to see. Um, what was that, uh, transition like of, of, did Ian approach you? Did you approach Ian? And so how did Ian end up there and what has he added to that team environment, um, in Turkey so far? So Ian, Ian, uh, was in a bit of career transition. Um, and he actually came via Caitlin Sandiner. Like, uh, I know Caitlin is a GM of one of our competitors, but we're, you know, we're all one big family ISL as well. We, we all understand that we have to work together to make this a success. Uh, as much as we all want to win the ISL, we have to, we have to help each other along the way. So uh, Caitlin contacted me, said Ian's looking for um, sort of the next step in his career. Would you mind having a look? So we got him out for a trial and, uh, He's a nice fit. Obviously, he missed a lot of training. You know, his performances at the first meet were a little off as well. But he, he, he'd missed a lot. But we, it, it's going to take a bit of time just to figure him out. He's got to figure out 
what we are because it's a different way of working. We we work we do work differently. Um, so we're, we're in the process. We started the process and we're going to take our time. One thing I do with new athletes, I tend not to touch their technique at all for the first part because they, their bodies are going to change and adapt from a new system, maybe more dry land than what they're used to. So uh, uh, we're not we don't rush anything with technique. I know a lot of I used to work with, I'd come straight and I change this, do this, change that hand, do that. And all I ended up doing was the bodies felt completely alien because it's a new program and they lost their technique. So I've had to, I've put a pause on any new athletes that come in, just calm for a six month process of just calm, figuring it all out. And then we, then we build through, make the real fundamental changes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that hearing you say it like that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, kind of adapt to the system and then we can, yeah, like you said, make fundamental mm-hmm. changes. Um, so I, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, looking in energy standard is such a unique situation and it's such a cool thing of just, you know, you have a real pro, I mean, obviously the ISL, you have pro teams, but then outside of that, you have the club of energy standard, which is, which is a pro club. And it's like, we kind of have something like that in the U S you know, David Marsh has his team elite. Um, and then there's, there's training groups that are based at college at universities. Um, but you know, you have energy standard who, who people are coming from all over and, and training as, as a, as a collective. And and it's a really cool thing and something, you know, I, as a fan would love to see happen more and more in this, in the swimming community, how did you come by energy standard and, and what drew, what, what prospect drew you to say, okay, this is, this is where I want to coach. This is going to be my next step. I think it was the, what drew me was the task and the challenge. Like I, I coached in Marseille in the South of France for three years. I worked at national high performance center in great Britain for four years. And when I was approached about this project, because the ISL was mentioned, like this global professional league for swimming, and this is we need a club to kind of be the model to start. And you've got a you've got a few years to make it the best in the world. Off you go. And uh, it was scary. <laughs> it was yeah. a it was a it was a scary kind of uh, challenge. But I've always taken risky leaps in my life. Like we went to live in Turkey. It was just after the military coup there as well. So it wasn't uh, a great. Uh, political stability wasn't great at that point. I know Turkey is a fabulous country and now, you know, it's very calm now, but at the point in time when we started, it was, there was lots of challenges. And it it was this whole being at the center of trying to build the the best swimming club in the world, being part of a process to build a global swimming league. And uh, when Constantine spoke to me about it, I was a little bit like, wow, this guy's, this guy's crazy. This is just out of this world. And, uh, and, and he was just like, come on the journey. And um, I was like, right, let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, packed up and left. Um, and then, uh, you know, each year just keeps getting better and better. We had a fabulous first year. We never actually actively recruited any swimmers for the club. We, 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 the goal was always ISL. And what better way to, we didn't want to annoy the swimming community by just, you know, poaching swimmers as par se and coaching. Sure. So many athletes that have been in the program, they all approached us. Um, mm-hmm. and, that, and we built it slowly and steadily. And the club had a, has now obviously got a great reputation. And, you know, we won the first ISL last year, but, the, you know, we still need to get bigger. We want to make the club 
more athletes. You know, this is the model for the New York Breakers, the LA Current, Cali Condors. If we can get these clubs, you know, the ones in ISL functioning as real, you know, full-time training bases, um, like an NBA team, uh, like a Major League Soccer, NFL, why not? And But that's the vision. And this is the, the ISL now is the stepping stone. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, what a vision we've seen. We've seen the first season of ISL. Now we're seeing the, the second season of ISL, which is, is such an accomplishment to have a second season of ISL in this current, you know, global pandemic. Um, so last, last question about the club side of, of energy standard, mm-hmm. you know, when you have athletes coming in and out like that, like I know Sarah Showstrom, like, you know, spends time in Turkey, but then also goes home sometimes to Sweden. Um, you know, you have all these international athletes who are going back and forth, like you said, very individualized. Um, how have you learned to manage that over these last few years, just working with kind of, like you said before, giving them the reins and saying, it's your career. Um, you know, if you need to leave, do it. If you want to come do it. Um, I feel like a lot of coaches would have a lot of trouble with that. Um, but how, how have you learned to navigate that through these last few years? It's uh, okay. I think it's, it's almost like a, a choice, you know, the athletes have to make, like we have, so Chad is, uh, spends pretty much apart from this year 100% of his time there Ben Proud uh, someone like Florent Florent Manadou I'll give you Flo for example he he's a guy that he needs you know him personally he needs his home time he needs to he needs to spend a period of time at home he can go home but he can really manage himself like he's got a fabulous setup in Marseille and he's got a team that support him there uh, so he comes in he does all of his a lot of his quality work with us two three weeks with us and he can easily go home for a week because he can't, it would be wrong for him to stay all the time because it, w- it wouldn't work for him. And that's the fit and the feel I was talking about. Like for, for a lot of athletes um, and, and a lot of them, a lot of the, say the Olympic champions, they've got PR and media work to do and they're, they're popular mm-hmm. in their countries. And that's just the reality of it. You know, they're not, you know, that happens. That's part of the program. You have to fit that all in to the, to the, the mold. So when they go home, it's normally a, a quieter period or a quieter week. But when they come into Turkey, it's just business. You know, they've got the hotel, the accommodation, the food. They've got everything they need to be successful. And I always say the flow, and I, even Sarah to start, I say this is like a, I think Sarah said to me, like, it's like a holiday from my life when I come here. Like uh, when she's at home, she's busy, she's busy, 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 things to do. And when she can, when she's in Turkey, she can just switch on to training. Same with Flo, just that's the only thing they have to think about. Turn, turn up to Paul, present yourself, uh, be as, be as fast as you can, then go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that seems like a really cool way of looking at it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, like I, I know, I feel like in the U S yeah, it's, it's just a different thing. And, and it's really cool to hear about that perspective um, especially certainly from an international view, but, um, so, so back to, back to ISL, back to where you're at right now. Um, you know, obviously you're on the Island from what I've heard, you can go outside 90 minutes a day. Uh, you can't go really go into shops. I mean, you know, it's, you guys are locked down. It's strict. Um, how is that, you know, mentally, how have you been able to handle that? And how have you kind of seen the athletes, uh, work with those restrictions? Well, 
as of now, it's all very, very good. Like, uh, and we bear in mind, we're only still into week two. We haven't quite, we, we haven't been here too, too long. So yeah. uh, there was a few internet issues the first day, but <laughs> that, that's all been fixed. I didn't realize the world now, you know, we have to have Wi-Fi um, immediately. Um, so, but yeah, it's, now it's okay. Now it's fine. Uh, the training regimes are done. Um, so they've got their time outside. And Margaret Island is, if there's going to be a place to get locked down on, it's, it's, it's not a bad island. For staff, it's got running tracks around. The athletes can go to walk. There's fountains. You've got the river, so you can actually just sit and watch the river. It's quite relaxing. Um, but it's just, I think, you know, there will be some more challenges. Whereas the fatigue, as it gets colder, as the fatigue rises within the groups, we'll have to monitor that closely but you know now there's there's no issues and and the sort of the quarantine restrictions uh it took a bit of while like sitting on a table one to a table at meal times and uh sat on your own every meal it's, it's different but it's just part of the process and i think everyone appreciates that we're we're so privileged to even be here and the team isl for actually getting this over the line it's, it's, it's fabulous, you know, and uh, we're, we're all in a very privileged place. And I keep reminding my athletes of that because you can get complacent. You can go, oh, the food wasn't great today. And that we're guys, we're, you know, we're, we're lucky to even be here. So let's embrace it. Let's embrace what we got. Uh, one final question, you know, like you said, it's, it's just a privilege to be there. And it is such a cool thing that the ISL has made this happen. Um, what is, you know, being, being with your team, with your ISL team of energy standard, um, being in this environment, what's what personally, what's your favorite part about all this? To be honest, it's meeting new people, uh, like, uh, meeting new people, seeing how they work, see how they train and cause everyone does it differently, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone does it differently. And, uh, and he's a thousand different ways to always get the same result. So um, looking at the connections between the athletes and their coaches and just looking at how, you know, that what their programs are. And I, I like to learn, like at the minute, I've got a huge sprint group, like Matt Grievers has come in, he's uh, following the plan and it, what a great guy to have in. <laughs> awesome. So the other day we had a good speed session going on, uh, uh, 15 guys all together or following um, a similar, well, obviously not in the same lane, but 15 guys right, all, right. all together doing the speed work, getting, and I think there was some great photos on social media yesterday and there's a, there's a nice ambiance. And I like meeting new people. We've got 20 different nationalities on our team. And, uh, you know, it's communication issues. We have to get over the line sometimes. And, but, you know, everyone comes from a different background. So they've all, they all look at the like their lives very differently. I grew up in East London. Um, I see the world very, very differently to, some uh, someone that grew up in Zaporozhye in eastern Ukraine. So everyone has different philosophies on training, different philosophies on on themselves, and uh, I'm, I just like to see it all play out and how they become great. Because, uh, like I said, it's different for everyone, and and you know we're in a dream world if we think we know best than someone else. It's just like it's it's nice to watch how they how different coaches and different swimmers interact and how they achieve greatness really. That, that warmed my heart. That was a really, very, very <laughs> cool answer. And uh, James, th thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. It's very refreshing to hear your perspective and good to hear that, you know, you guys are moving through well so far in the bubble. No, thank you. Thank you. It's been a, we're, we're you know, 
the, at the minute we're all good but I'm, uh, there could be challenges so everyone has a responsibility you know everyone has a responsibility to play their role there is no going off the island no one goes to shops it's a, it's no one goes into town if it's a very simple a simple system if you go off and you're caught you're out and uh, i think it's the, uh, the, the there's so much at stake and there's such a big investment of time finance money for everyone that you know that the rules just have to be respected you've been listening to the swim swam podcast Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.